0: Hi guys welcome to hauntedology my name is Megan I'm your host and along with my mom who is your co-host we tell you stories every week that are of hauntings or paranormal activity in different cities or a city in America and eventually the rest of the world it is our belief that every city has a story to tell and it's our job to tell it so we thank you guys for listening and we can't wait to dive into this week's episode so let's go
1: all right so what is this recording number three for this episode think because the first time our equipment magically switched to a completely different setting and it sounded like there was a man behind me yeah like possessed it was bad creepy the second time we got all the way through recorded the episode and then it magically deleted itself so welcome to new orleans where we're going to tell you about the voodoo queen or at least attempt to see what happens tonight there's nowhere in the world quite like new orleans no other city so visibly encapsulates the mixture of old world and new and no other city so obviously displays its beliefs in the supernatural and of course no other city has shared its stories that would seem impossible anywhere else And of course no other city has shared its stories that would seem impossible anywhere else voodoo is a big part of new orleans history although it is vastly different from the pop culture perception while zombies and dolls do make up parts of it in reality it's a combination of west african religions brought over by slaves the christianity they adopted and the traditions of the indigenous people they blended in with born around 1801 to the freed slave marguerite and A free, wealthy mulatto businessman, Charles Laveau, Marie was the first generation of her family to be born free. Laveau's great-grandmother came to New Orleans as a slave from West Africa in 1743, and her grandmother Catherine eventually wound up being bought by Francois Palmet, a free woman of color and a successful entrepreneur. Laveau was a devoted Catholic all her life, and her voodoo was not incompatible with her Catholic faith. The front room of her cottage housed altars filled with candles, holy images, and offerings, and she would lead weekly meetings that included whites and blacks as well, where their participants would dress in all white, then chant and sing, and leave an offering of liquor and food to the spirit. While voodoo was commonly practiced in New Orleans, it had a sinister reputation, and it was actually banned at different times in Louisiana's history. The widow Perry learned her craft from a voodoo doctor known variously as Dr. John or John Bayou. And by 1830, she was one of several voodoo queens. Louvo combined voodoo beliefs and Catholic traditions, holy water, incense, statues of the saints, and Christian prayers, which helped make voodoo and hoodoo, the magic rituals associated with voodoo, more acceptable to upper-class New Orleans society. Her beliefs included the recognition of spiritual forces that can be kind or mischievous, ...that preside over daily life and intercede in the lives of the followers. The connection with these spirits can be achieved through dance, music, singing, and the use of snakes.
2: Um, snakes? Ain't no religion I want to be involved in has no snakes to it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I am a Christian, but if they will not bring snakes up in there in the church, I might have to change from Christianity. I ain't doing no snakes.
1: I can't be snakes. No,
2: no, no. Queenie would just have to be her kind voodoo queen self... Without me, because there's no way I'll do snakes.
1: If you visit New Orleans and take a cemetery or ghost tour, you'll undoubtedly hear about Marie Laveau's followers and her mysterious gatherings in Congo Square. Congo Square is just a short walk over Rampart Street from the Laveau Glapion house on St. Anne. In the 1800s, Code Noir granted Sundays and holidays to the New Orleans slaves. They would spend their free time cultivating gardens, fishing, and other things that would give them goods to sell and trade. Many would have their Sunday worship at St. Augustine's Church and walk over to Congo Square with their goods to set up a market. By the mid-1800s, Congo Square had become more than a market. It was a community center for New Orleans people of color. Marie Laveau would attend the gatherings in Congo Square on Sundays and sell her gris gris bags offer her advice and service to her community and partake in the celebration. It is here that legends talk about her singing and performing her spiritual celebrations, conjuring the great serpent spirit and becoming filled with the spirit of Iowa, wearing her Queen of Voodoo crown proudly. The Congo Square celebrations were weekly, however, there was one night a year that was sacred to the Creoles who practiced voodoo. It was St. John's Eve. St. John's Eve or Eve of the Feast of St. John the Baptiste is an observance of the summer solstice, midsummer's eve. The day is acknowledged and celebrated among many cultures and religions dating back to the Celtics, Druids, and European pagan rituals. For the New Orleans Buddha community, it meant coming together for a ritual, bathing in sacred waters, and communing around bonfires. And like the Sunday Congress Square celebrations, St. John's Eve ceremonies were supposedly led by Marie Laveau. These meetings were actually one of the few places where whites and blacks could join together and meet. Within a decade or so, the Widow Perry was known as one of several voodoo queens in the city of New Orleans. Marie formed a close relationship with Father Antoine, a local rector who continued to offer her sacraments despite the practice of her voodoo. Marie was fairly business savvy thanks to her years spent as a hairstylist, and by combining voodoo beliefs and Catholic traditions, she made voodoo socially acceptable. She sold gris gris bags, which are protective amulets that originate in Africa, as well as charm and magical potions. Her fame grew as word spread that her concoctions could cure illnesses, grant wishes, and bring a hex to one's enemies. You know, I wouldn't
2: mind having some of
1: that. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying... A oh, little hex here and there. It wouldn't be a bad thing. A little oh. cure here and there.
2: A little cure here and there would be great. Especially with dang, I'm piling porn like it is down south right now. We could we could use some of this? You know, I'm just saying.
1: In addition, she was accomplished at divination and fortune telling. She was known for healing the sick, and some people even believed she was a living saint. Marie's services were available to control straying lovers, increase fertility, take revenge upon those who had wronged you, and increase fortunes.
2: Sounds good so far.
1: I mean, seriously. In voodoo, it is believed that when a voodoo queen dies, her spirit reenters the river of life and moves to the next realm, adjacent to this one. Her spirit will always be here, close at hand in New Orleans. To this day, people still visit her tomb with the hope that she will grant their wishes. In June of 1881, Marie died peacefully at her home and was buried in St. Louis Cemetery No. 1 in the Laveau-Glapion family crypt. Like many of New Orleans' tombs, the structure's above ground because you know the water table makes underground interment like impractical. Makes sense. I mean, since how it's below the yeah, you water go to dig level. a grave and you're digging them a pool for eternity. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this is just true.
1: So you know, each year, hundreds of visitors come to the tomb, and it's believed that Marie's spirit will grant favors to those who leave offerings of coins, beads, candles, or rum.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, some people just don't have a whole lot of money, but they just might have a bottle of rum. I'm just saying.
1: Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum. (laughs) There you go. Interestingly enough, there are two different crypts that are said to hold Marie's remains. And offerings are left at both, because apparently nobody wants to get the wrong one. Apparently said through time, but I've seen pictures where there's, like, now a plaque. But, I, I guess at one point in time, um, the original carving of, like, the inscription in the tomb was worn down so much through time
2: well like we've talked about so much has happened to new orleans as far as um natural disaster yeah. things and et cetera, et cetera, and lack of ability to um record so i'm sure they're like one nah, of those so we'll just say both <laughs>
1: <laughs> across the street there is also a statue of saint expedite Offerings of pound cake left at the statue are often believed to speed up the favors ask of Marie.
2: Yeah, because pound cake's good. Cream cheese pound cake, lemon pound cake. You know, I'm just
1: saying. You can get anything you want with pound cake.
2: Yeah, this is a South for Pete's sake. Might be Louisiana instead of Georgia, but this is a South. Pound cake with Cool Whip on top. Hot diggity dang. What you need, darling? Who you need me hexing? <laughs> oh, yeah. They mine. I got this.
1: Now it's time to introduce you to Marie the Second. Tour guides will often tell you the tale of the shady switch Marie Laveau and her daughter concocted. Marie was growing older, and with her daughter's likeness to her, they would lead the community to believe that Marie Laveau wasn't aging. Her daughter would wear the mother's clothes and carry on her mother's professional footsteps, leading everyone to think that Marie's powers were so strong she would stay young forever. Marie Laveau attended daily Mass well into her old age and visited prisoners, trying to convince them to repent their sins for salvation. Surely the folks in the French Quarter saw her continue her routines over the decades, but as we now know, the gossip and embellishments that surrounded her life were in abundance. The one common thread in most of the stories about Marie II is that she was a little bit more wicked than her mother. She was a proud woman who carried herself confidently and was, by all definitions, an entrepreneur. Marie II is the Lavo that reportedly was the hairdresser to New Orleans affluent white women, and she used their secrets to concoct money-making schemes disguised as supernatural powers and always kept an eye on the prize. Smart woman.
2: I mean, you tell your hairdresser a lot of things you don't tell a lot of people. That's true. But that's kind of a personal relationship. So yeah, um that's smart. And I can see maybe her feeling like she had something to prove because of being Marie's daughter. And I can I can definitely see her being a little more cocky than her mother, maybe.
1: Mm hmm. In truth though, it's funny that you mentioned that because we're not even sure if Marie the Second was actually Marie's child. Mm -hmm. perhaps marie the second was one of marie laveau's granddaughters there's often even some speculation that marie the second was not of relation to marie laveau at all
2: just happened to look exactly like her
1: yeah you know i don't really know where they get this stuff from but you know
2: (laughs) well it is said that everyone has a twin i have since learned that's called a doppelganger yes um when i got my little addiction to the vampire movies um one of them there was a doppelganger and i'm like Okay, whatever, dude. What is this? What y'all make up? No, seriously, that is mm-hmm. your twin. And um, it's, it, that has an interesting story of a song we may have to bring in one day because it's very interesting. So maybe she was Marie LeBeau's doppelganger.
1: It's a, um nice new take on things. There you go. Marie Laveau's tomb is the most visited in all of New Orleans cemeteries. Unfortunately, not all visitors have been very respectful, and there have been countless acts of vandalism to her tomb. The defacing of her tomb actually became such an issue that the archdiocese and New Orleans Catholic cemeteries no longer allow tourists to enter St. Louis No. 1 Cemetery without a licensed tour guide who holds a permit from the NOCC. That is
2: so sad that you would deface someone's grave.
1: If we listen to the guides on ghost tours or voodoo tours, then we excitedly are led to believe that Marie LeBeau was indeed a voodoo queen and that her ghost still roams her cottage on St. Anne's and has even been sighted at her tomb. Unfortunately, the only recorded truth to any of these stories is that she indeed lived and died in her Saint Anne cottage, which was demolished in 1907. Songs have been written about her, she has inspired movies, and even the popular television show American Horror Story has created a fan cult devoted to her legend. She has crossed the line from historical figures to now a famous pop culture icon. 138 years after her death, she would accomplish this major crossover.
2: Took a little while, but you know, still got it, you know.
1: <laughs> Marie Laveau will always be a central figure in the history of New Orleans. If we go by the obituaries that were written about her, she was a healer and philanthropist. She was a woman who nursed the unfortunate soul stricken by yellow fever, ministered to the prisoners in parish prison, and who attended Catholic mass daily. Perhaps there was voodoo woven through her faith and service. We'll never really know. But one rumor that has proven itself to be true was that secrets are safe with Marie Laveau. They still are, including her own.
2: See, that's a good person. <laughs> I mean, somebody you can trust to the death. Do we part?
1: And Can't the hereafter. That.
2: And the hereafter, because apparently she wanders around. So
1: you know, depending on who you talk to.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, you know, we can't lose our voodoo queen.
0: <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I do all of the writing and compiling of all the different stories myself. And it means a lot that you guys will sit here and listen to what I have to say. If you would like to reach out to me on social media, you can go to Instagram and Go to at Megan Noel podcasts. So M-E-G-A-N-N-O-E-L podcasts or my personal Instagram at the Megan Noel. Thank you guys so much for listening and I really appreciate it. If you guys could give us a five star rating on Apple podcasts to help others find the show, that would be amazing and we will be forever grateful. Thank you guys, and I cannot wait to tell you the next story.